This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spear Factor. Um, I know it's been a little bit of time since I have shared an episode, and I apologize for that. I'm just super busy with some things. Um coaching football and all this other stuff but i do have four episodes recorded and i will be posting those every two weeks so we'll get back into the swing of things for you guys and this episode is with nick bailey he's a floridian diver he's a young diver and he's just absolutely psyched up on diving and today on the show we talked about uh diving with sharks and goliath groupers and hunting techniques in florida and conditions just in Florida when you're diving in his general area. So let's get started with the episode. And now I'd like to thank our sponsor, Mr. Ted Hardy of Immersion Freediving. Uh, enter promo code SPEARFACTOR for 15% off uh, on his 28-day freediving transformation course. And uh, it's pretty awesome. I've used it and I recommend it. So you can find this course and the other courses Ted puts out for us at freedivingsafety.com. Um, like I said, enter the promo code SPEARFACTOR for the discount. And thanks, Ted, for sponsoring the show. Our next sponsor is Hot Rod Spear Guns. Uh, Paul has offered us 10% discount with a promo code SPEARFACTOR. So thanks, Paul, for making badass guns and uh, providing a hookup for our listeners. And Kamira Side Slip. So Kamira Side Slip, you can purchase those at Kamira Spearfishing. That's K-I-M-E-R-A. And basically, I've talked about the side slip before on the show. It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website. And if you use promo code SPEARFACTOR, all lowercase at checkout, they'll give you 5% off. And our last sponsor is One Drop Spearfishing, basically an environmentally minded group of guys that love to dive, live and breathe it, 
but their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, solid group of guys. And uh, check out their website, One Drop Spearfishing. Check them out on YouTube, One Drop Spearfishing. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor Spear Factor Podcast, feel free. Uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website, spearfactor.com. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Spear Factor. Today we have a young man from Jupiter, Florida, Nick Bailey, who's um, you've probably seen him on like TikTok or other social media stuff <laughs> where he's just uh, you can tell he's as Shrek from Noob Spiro would say, frothing over spearfishing. Uh, yeah and that's why i wanted to have on a show because he represents a new generation of young younger divers coming up so nick welcome to the show stoked to be here yeah yeah it's good stuff man so you were saying you're doing the show right now from what's it from a spearfishing shop so i'm at exhale spearfishing which is like two minutes from my house and uh he just opened this shop last year he's actually redoing a couple things he's taken out this whole wall and it's a it's a pretty sick shop it's like probably one of the only spearfishing shops local uh i got all the wetsuits here some sick antique spear guns <laughs> double barrel uh the winged rife and then he's got a uh smg spear gun but it's pretty sick <laughs> oh that's cool man um so <laughs> Like to tell us a little bit about your background as far as the diving aspect. Like, did your dad dive? And well, I mean, I guess first you've all, you've done a lot of, I saw you with Ryan Myers. Uh, I mentioned before we were recording, I saw you with Ryan Myers diving. So um, you definitely, you, you know, Ryan is a f absolute beast of a diver. Yeah. Imagine you're for such a, not for such a younger age, but just such a newer diver, newer, I guess I could say newer, but you said a younger age, you've, you must have left a pretty good impression on that guy. If you're diving with him. So how, <laughs> um, so yeah, how everything kind of started was, um, like my dad, he grew up diving. He, they, when he was a kid, they took a sailboat over the Bahamas for four months. And that's like where he started to learn how to dive. And ever since he, we've just been going over, uh, over there and just doing tons of spearfishing, and eventually I just got really into it. I would always come into uh, Florida free divers when I was a kid. And um, actually that's Eric who is right here. He managed Florida free divers for four years, worked there for five. And when I was a kid, I was, I would always just go in there and kind of pick his brain for some cool stuff and just really got into it. And after a while he would always joke about like, Oh, well maybe one day you're going to have to work here. And, when I turned 14, the day I turned 14, I brought over a resume and uh, <laughs> I got hired that weekend and I worked there for a year and a half. And that's where I met so many people doing that. That's where I made the biggest amount of connections and just learned so much from everyone. And just working in a dive shop like that, you learn so much and you get it super into it. I, I loved it. It was great. Well, I think along the lines too, like everybody has their own little way of tweaking equipment and doing things that, and also that they've got passed on to them from older people or whatever it is. But, you know, there's more than one way to do things, but it's always like there's pros and cons to everything, but you just get this, like, it seems like you'd get this just vast knowledge of everything, take it or leave it, but you're learning so much and everybody rigs their stuff up differently. And why do they do this? You know? 
I do this this way for this kind of diving or vice versa or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then again, diving still such a small community. I mean, maybe I don't know how it is in Florida, but if you're the focal point, like at a spearfishing shop, you know, you're, Oh, totally. Yeah. You're meeting everybody, especially in Florida. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. I was meeting pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much everyone, everyone like that you see getting big fish or you know that they're a good diver. They would always come in and, and, uh, eventually I just was kind of like the little grom of the shop, you know? <laughs> and that's just like, people would walk in and, I, I would always try to be super nice to them and stuff and learn a lot of stuff. And, uh, and eventually I, I loved it. It was great. And I've just kind of taken off. I've been diving ever since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> so like, so what was your biggest like aha moment, like working in the shop or just like, to, or, or just diving in general early on when you were starting, like, what was the biggest, like, Oh, okay. Or wow. That was the best like piece of advice I ever got probably <laughs> diving with ryan at one point uh we had we had a bunch of stuff happen where we realized that it was pretty it was a good idea to take a course right so we were already talking about just like ryan was like yo we need to get over to the bahamas and i was talking about it and we ended up trading like we would just take him on a dive trip like we were all just going diving and he would just do a course for us for free while we were over there if we took him over and didn't charge him gas so that's what we ended up doing and we took Ryan over. I did a course. I was 14 and <clears throat> it was really good. It was like, it was super eye-opening about how serious free diving is and how you have to be really careful and all these different things. And I learned a ton. I went from diving like 50 feet comfortably in the, uh, before the course to like in the course, I like hit 85 and, um, I could have gone a lot deeper. I was just scared. <laughs> and I thought that that was big eye opener. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. So, cause I hear this sometimes the argument for guys taking free diving courses, especially in the beginning of their, of like learning how to spearfish is that, you know, you know, what I'm about to say like where they're like, Oh, you're giving guys basically a loaded gun to now they're go They know to go to hundred feet or, or whatever it is. And they don't have a lot of the other skill sets or even like maturity in diving, not necessarily, uh, you know, age wise, but maturity in diving to be able to do that safely. Um, wh like, what do you think about that? Like, what's your, I guess, what's your thoughts on that? I definitely think that that is a, uh, it's, a, it's a, such a big change to just go from straight free diving, like taking a free diving class to go immediately into spearfishing and, and thinking that you need to go deep immediately. Like a lot of people will take a class, hit 66 feet, be like, oh, I was super comfortable. And then see all these YouTube videos online of all these guys who have been doing it for years and years and years. And be like, oh, they lay on bottom at 60, 70 feet. I need to go do that. That's the only way I can shoot fish. But really, they need to take their time and work their way up the chain like everyone else. No, that's a good thought. And the other thing is too, like, I think for younger guys that might see that, um, you, you know, it may not, it may seem, they may seem very detached from the fact that people do die doing this. Like it'll never happen to me and all this other stuff. And the longer you've been doing it, like you see very much. So, especially as a sport is like kind of grown up in the last few years, there used to be like 10 degrees of separation from someone passing away. And now it's like one. Or like, where you understand like, wow, I knew that guy, he died. So I think when newer divers, like we always says, no fish is worth their life. But uh, more importantly, like 
this is actually a real thing. When you start pushing yourself to those deeper limits, like the extremes, like things can, you know, it, it becomes People that People don't realize critical. how real it is. Yeah, yeah, it becomes very critical. Um, you know, law of partial pressure and all that other stuff. But um, so for you, what is your like goal in diving right now as a young, because you're hungry, I could tell. Like I watch your show, it's like, that's why, the reason why I was like, man, this kid's like, he's like, He's trying, he's trying to, if I was his age growing up now, I'd be doing the exact same shit. Like I, I know I saw you on TikTok and you're just like, you're just like, you're going, you're firing. What is your goal? Like in spearfishing goal in spearfishing right now? Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into it, but I don't know. It's hard to just set one goal like that, but one, one of my major goals, I would say, is just getting more comfortable at depth and and realizing like how to one thing that's hard is like over here, we don't have a lot of time to breathe up and get ready to make a drop, because if you miss the drop and it's a three or four knot current with terrible viz, if you don't take if you don't drop at the perfect time, you're not going to make it. And if you if you set up way too far ahead of the wreck. Oh, and give yourself two, three minutes to breathe up, you're never going to land on it. So just being able to safely uh, actually drop on these spots and get better bottom time is a huge goal of mine for sure. So that's because uh, you guys are diving on wrecks mainly. Is that like, I like diving leaves? wrecks a lot just because like they're, they're just big focal points for fish. Like, especially here in Jupiter, we only have like five, three, I mean, honestly, like three or four different sets of wrecks. And, and then we have all this reef that goes down for miles and miles and miles. So the reef is going to be like, if you really put your time in, you're going to be able to breathe up more um, and everything like that. But it's so spread out. It does end up being a little bit harder to find fish there. But then again, the Rex has, the Rex have so many more challenges, like the sharks and the Goliath groupers and the current and everything. <laughs> so that's what you're talking about as far as missing the wreck when you drop down. In oh, the for sure. It's, yeah. it's hard. Have you guys, I, have you guys thought about like dropping a anchor line, like, or, or having a boat like, uh, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. I, the problem that we find with that mostly is that the current is so hard that the buoy just goes straight under. Yeah. So, uh, like if it's like a four knot current or so, and we put down a big lead to the bottom and it's got a buoy, the buoy would just end up going like three feet under the surface every time. Maybe, um, have you tried using a bigger buoy or, or giving more line, letting more line out? I mean, I, uh, my dad had these actually, what's that? Can't stay on it. It's yeah. It's, it's just hard. It's yeah. even if you do have a perfect mark on the wreck like that, like uh -huh. you, there's no way. Yeah. Eric makes a good point. There is no way to like keep on it either way. Yeah. It's just, you're not going to be able to breathe up cause you're sitting there trying to like stay on the damn thing the whole time. Okay. Hard. Yeah, no, I'm just curious about that. Um, I've done a little bit of the current diving too. The problem that with the, is the current the same on the bottom as it is on the top? Usually it's usually. Yeah. But like the past couple of weeks, it's been complete opposites half the time. Like it'll be lately. We, we had a big cold water upwelling from I think they had like some hurricane coming off of uh, Africa or something. And we, we've had a big cold water upwelling. So the current has been weird on the bottom, super cold. Like the surface, I'm not even wearing a wetsuit lately just because it's been like 
ridiculously hot. <laughs> and then you get down to 30 feet and it's like, whoa, it just went from 85 degrees to like 72. And you're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a big difference. I mean, I know out oh, here yeah. in California, we hear that. We're like, oh, okay, right. But that's a big <laughs> difference when you're used to when you get acclimated to that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, the reason why I asked that is because the first time, I remember the first time doing like a really like five knot current, like a really strong drift for dog tooth. I had the bright idea to like drop down on the bottom on the reef because I could see like there was some uh, trevally or whatever and take a shot. And the problem was when the flopper got stuck on the reef and it was a reel, now you're going to lose all your stuff. That is a tough problem too. So do you guys have the, how do you guys usually rig your stuff, um, your gear for that? You use float lines or floats? So I, uh, there was a while where I was using primarily float lines, but mainly these days, uh, I just use real guns. That's probably the most common thing right up front for everyone to be using. is just like a, a rife, like 110, 120, uh, Rob Allen, you know, whatever, same thing. And, uh, just with a real, it's, it's honestly fairly uncommon. To, to go out on a boat with guys over here and see float lines on the boat. Okay. Yeah. I imagine. So it's probably easier to manage just, it's easier just to dive deep with that stuff. Yeah. It's just easier to have less crap on. But I mean, I was just thinking like with the wrecks and the current being, which if you hit something and it went into that wreck, you just <laughs> let all your real line out. Is that what you're doing? And just it's, going to the it's really hard. That's the thing is that like people end up, it's hard to take these deep shots like on Rex. Like I had a few opportunities when I didn't get to breathe up for a crazy amount of time. And I was down at like 75 feet and the bottom's 90. And there was a big grouper that came like fairly close to me where if I had gone to the bottom and grunted once, I definitely could have pulled off a shot. But the thing was, there was so many sharks and everything. I would have gone straight into the wreck and we had a four knot current. So I would have lost everything. So it's like half the time, half the time we we end up finding the fish and you can't even shoot it's it's some tough conditions out here sometimes no that's a that's a super good point um because out here in california it's like we see the fish there's not too much of a problem they run into kelp that's manageable but we don't have the shark problem like you guys have like um we we don't have the shark problem and also like we don't have grouper out here what we do but we don't shoot it if we do see one um and they don't run in the caves like uh so it's just interesting hearing that like it's, it's true man it's like uh but then when i've traveled it's like you learn everything the hard way you're like oh okay oh yeah <laughs> yeah it takes a little bit of maturity like you're talking about like like as a spear fisherman to know when to pull the trigger and when not like nobody wants to lose all their stuff so <laughs> um but it's, yeah. tell you what, it's hard when you got a big grouper staring you in the face you know oh yeah it, it's hard when you've only shot two groupers out front in the past like five years whatever and you're like dang this one is double the size of either of them and you're just like well what can you do it's hard i mean especially one fish out here that we end up passing a lot a lot a lot is permit and i i love shooting permit and some people think that they're not great to eat they taste great a lot of people agree that they taste great but they're so firm it's crazy and uh they go insane when you spear them like no other fish i've ever shot is like a permit there's a lot of fish that you can get up in one dive groupers are one fish that i find a lot easier than a lot of other fish to get up in one dive just because i feel like they fight really hard for a second and if you can power through that then you're going to be able to get them up permit oh my god 
people know him as like the gear trashers out here. It's ridiculous. It's kind of like a Trevally almost, huh? I, that's, I have never shot a Trevally, but just based on videos, I would say probably exactly. Yeah, they look similar. I mean, they look similar too, but uh, yeah. I, do they do the spiral of death or what do they just run immediately for the wreck or what do they do? So the worst thing that happens is mm. we'll pass like a hundred of them and then you'll be like, okay, this one, I'm going to stone it. And then the second that you pull the trigger, they'll turn and that'll be hard uh, in its own. And what happens then is like you shoot and if you don't get a perfect shot on these things, they go straight down and you can, you can stop them from going straight down. And when you do, they just turn sideways and just like fan, just like that. They just fan. Yeah. I have, uh, I have seen that on, um, tropical fish that hole up and they just stay in there. It's actually pretty incredible that they know to do that. Literally cleat it off with a boat and drag the thing out. Um, We've always talked about that. That's crazy. We've yeah. always talked about that. My friend did it because they had to meet a, a deadline on a, on a contest or something. And they were like, well, I'm either going to lose a shaft or get the fish. So they just tied it, cleated it off, gunned it, and the thing popped out. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's so funny to talk to, I mean, Florida, uh, we're all in the United States, but it's like, it's such a vast different way, things to think about, like spearfishing. Really? But the theme, the theme, I think, more importantly, is like, if you guys want to land more fish out there that are listening, you know, for all of us if we want to land more fish it's weird you you're gonna have to take a good shot <laughs> yeah you got to make yeah. it count now what happens is that means not shooting often because you don't have yeah. so you this the whole woulda shoulda coulda thing goes through your mind but i've done it where i've pulled the trigger and then realized that was a bad idea you know um but yeah so it's 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 very interesting to me Florida being in the United States and just such a different animal altogether. Oh, totally. And then the sharks are just so different than anywhere else. Like where in the world? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's such a controversy, but a lot of people would just go out and uh, I mean, I have plenty of friends that do it. So it's, it's hard because they just go out and they're legally allowed once you're three miles out to just go hand feed sharks all day. And right. for us, three miles out is like mm, 70 feet off of Jupiter. Uh, Stewart, it would be like three miles out would be like, it, it varies, but maybe like 50 feet, whatever. But, and then Palm beach three miles out is like 300 feet. <laughs> it's interesting. Why, why is that when you said it's three miles out? Um... So three miles out is not state waters anymore. And okay. so, yeah. So it's just kind of like this, it's almost like a loophole for a lot of different things. Like the, if you look on, um, Oh, I see what you're saying. I was confused. I got it now. Okay. Cause you were saying yeah. 70 feet. I was like 70 feet off the beach. That's not true. Oh no, no, no. no. I was saying deep. like, it just, it changes yeah. like on the coast. So in Palm beach, Palm beach is only 30 minutes away from my house. Right. But, uh, -huh. uh, if I go to Palm beach and I go three miles off of the shore, we'll be in like, I, I believe like 300 feet of water. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, we're very, you know, our continental shelf out here is right at the coast. So it's different. Sure. So the shark thing is kind of a topic that like in California, we're like, Oh, we don't shoot sharks or, you know, some people are, you know, um, conservation and all that stuff. But from everything that I've read and heard, uh, 
with Florida is like their sharks are a big issue and they've almost been mismanaged. It's a, it's a super interesting topic because there's so many things that go into it. And it's like, people are honestly, most people are so far like one side or the other on this, on this topic that it's, it's so hard to like talk to people about it, but (laughs) someone like, like you is from California. um, It's, it's not something that's going to be like, out here, it's hard to talk to people about it. It's almost like a touchy subject. <laughs> but Hilarious. someone like you, you're, you're just like, oh, yeah, let's, let's hear about it. So my personal opinion is like, I don't think that we have too many sharks. I think that we have too little fish for the amount of sharks. And I think that they have been totally keened in on people who feed them and intentionally or unintentionally just in, as a whole, including spear fishermen, like, especially like beginners, like who will go out and they'll like, Oh man, I see all these guys shooting cobias off of bull sharks. They go out and they don't understand that. Like that isn't, it's really, it's a crazy thing. Like it's not something for someone who's brand new at spearfishing to be going to do. And they'll shoot a cobia and immediately gets eaten. And they'll be like, Oh dang, that sucks. And have it happen four more times in a day. And then those sharks are like, understand exactly what's happening and they get tamed to it. So it's the shark divers, it's the beginner divers, it's experienced divers who do everything they can and still lose fish. It's fishermen. It's, it's just a huge thing. And then I think that it's bad that people say that we shouldn't kill them and eat them um, because it's an ecosystem imbalance, really. Right. You can't just have so many of one or whatever, but I love eating sharks. I really love eating sharks. And I'm not just saying that like some people will kill them just for fun. And I don't think that that's right, but really bull shark is delicious. <laughs> Make, have you had Mako shark before? I never have. I, my it's, buddy's dad just caught one yesterday. I might, I might have to ask them for some meat. It's delicious. Really? I really? I don't go out of my way to shoot sharks. Like I don't deal with, I don't want to deal with that crap. Like I don't, I know guys that shoot like spearfish, like shoot Makos. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. Like you're pulling in this thing closer to you. That's going to maul you. Like it kill you. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, guys, free gaff, big Makos and stuff like that. Um, and they say, because they're such top predators they are like 10% of this food chain. So if you take out a portion of that 10%, it's a bigger chunk, you know? Um, but yeah. I don't, you know, a lot of people like look at things black and white. It's all situational, I feel like. And it's also like, it depends on where you're at in the world. Oh, 100%. Sharks like, as a whole versus sharks in Florida yeah. are very different. Yeah. And the other thing is like, yeah, nobody in, like really in the grand scheme of things, uh, nobody enjoys, you know, killing an animal for the most part. I mean, but you got to eat. And then the other thing is like uh, what you said about the conditioning part, like the animal tri- uh, trainer side of me <laughs> is like, uh, these you know train animals it's like okay yeah they uh they don't it does not they learn real quick even with their oh yeah like as soon as you pull the trigger and you miss even there they come you know Um, uh they know that and so like the fact that like their people are allowed to feed sharks too is just insane to me because you're now associating people with food so that's a problem yeah it is uh you don't see people going out. Actually, a couple of those guys do do this, which I I think it's also crazy. Um, but like they have 
signs everywhere in Yellowstone saying like, don't feed the uh, gators or the bears or all that kind of stuff. There's a reason for it. <laughs> the gators in Yellowstone. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. Yeah. No, don't feed the bears in Yellowstone. The gators yeah, though. Yeah. 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 Same the gators stuff. are, you don't I'm feed thinking wild of these animals. Guys. Yeah. No, you're good. I'm just giving you shit. Don't, yeah, yeah. don't feed wild animals for a reason. For sure. No, I, I, there's a buddy of mine that uh, was working in, on the, on the water in the bay and he was like randomly feeding a sea lion, you know? Cause like, I guess your sharks, your sharks would be like our sea lions here. Gotcha. And you know, lo and behold, and I, I used to train sea lions and like, you know, lo and behold, the sea lion jumps up on the, on the, uh, on the dock there and starts chasing customers off essentially yeah you know and my buddy's like dude i think i figured out what i had to like <laughs> i had to like like scare the shit out of him away because he kept chasing off customers i was like yeah but there's a reason why like it doesn't take long especially with mammals like they learn so quick but even sharks you know like i know guys that'll actually say uh i'm not gonna mention any name or anything but in the tropics where there's just like loads and loads of sharks they'll like yeah if i shoot one shark it will give me about an hour to be able to get fish and then get the hell out of there. Um, I don't know how it is in Florida, but I know the guys are doing that in a certain other places. And I can't necessarily say that I agree or disagree with it. Um, you know, everywhere is different, but like it's gotten so bad in some places, the only way to land a fish is to, you know, snuff yeah. out a shark. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... I, that is a whole interesting subject that a lot of people talk about. Uh, I've heard a million different things about that. I've heard just leaving the shark on the bottom that people will do that. Or like some people say when you kill a shark, anytime you kill a shark, uh, in my opinion, if you're going to eat it, you need to gut it like right then and there immediately because they have all these like all their toxins come out of their skin and whatnot. So we immediately like gut them. But some people were saying like, yo, if you're going to kill a shark and eat it, when you drop those guts in, they say someone has told me that the liver will scare away the other sharks. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting. So might have to test that out. Next yeah, time that's I eat a actually, shark. that's actually, um, that's a good point. That's actually true for, but it, it's different from species to species. Um, sure. But like, just like, um, I guess they did studies with great whites and killer whales too. And they like, the the whatever the scent is whatever not the scent but whatever the smell is from the liver that comes off the rotting they just stay away and um i know whether that's been proven or not i don't know but i know that's definitely a thought i also know um with sharks like where we've been where there was a shark that ate a small dog tooth that we shot and then there was a different species of shark, a bigger shark showed up and ate the small shark that was eating the dog tooth. No kidding. Yeah, Jeez. That was pretty incredible. So I don't <laughs> think that species gave two shits about <laughs> that particular type of shark, if it was dead or not. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, they're so funny too, because I feel like, you know, with, with any animal and I, again, I've never um, had any shark issues like in Florida or anything, but Number one, you can't have animals associate spearfishing when they hear that mechanism go with food. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to like try to maintain your fish immediately. And a lot of times, depending on the shark, bull sharks are a little different. But I know with the smaller grays and things like that, if you go down and state your claim on your fish, they kind of back away. Um, 
Yeah, it, there are a few species like that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that with a bull shark, just from everything I know. Um, <laughs> they'll call your bluff. Um, but I know, like, so there is some sort of intelligence going on there with the animals. Like, are you dominant? Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, it's really kind of crazy because that's a topic that I've seen come up multiple times from like even um, Charles Slattery. I don't know if you know Good Time Charlie on Instagram. oh oh i know yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i know he's been very boisterous about many things and that's one of them about snuffing oh, yeah. out like sharks because there's just so so many of them yeah <laughs> um and then um but pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment have you traveled much outside of Florida? I, for spearfishing, I have honestly floated in the Bahamas. Um, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I think that it's just been floating in the Bahamas. I would love, I definitely want to travel other, other places in the world. Um, but yeah, so far it's only been floating in the Bahamas. I believe, I think so. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be it. <laughs> yeah. And so the Bahamas, right. It's all pole spear. Is that correct? All pole spear and Hawaiian sling. So okay. there's a million disadvantages and advantages in that kind of scenario. But lately, I've just been using a pole spear. I use a black reef pole spear. It's a roller. And uh, it's been pretty sick. Yeah. So the roller pole spear is kind of wild to me. Like, that's a new thing. I mean, I guess the concept makes sense. How do you yeah. like, you like the roller pole spear? You know, for a while, I wasn't really crazy sure on rollers. I didn't know. Like, right before they right before I used one, I just, I understood how they worked and the pretension and everything. And they, the idea is great. And I was super excited to try one out. And then I, uh, I tried one out for a little while and I just, it takes some getting used to compared to a traditional pole spear. Like probably the only big disadvantage that I've found is it takes a second to get your hand in the roller pocket because it's not three feet up the pole spear. It's all the way in the back. So sometimes if you see a big fish, you got to be like, Oh my God. And get ready now these days i've been doing it for a while so it's no big deal and i don't have issues with it but in the beginning oh for sure i was like what's going on here but they have some crazy range well i was gonna say what what uh size pole spare do you use i think it eric it's a 10 foot the black reef or is it a nine it's a nine foot pole of uh like a two foot injector give or take okay so like okay. Close, to the close to 11 foot range oh, wow <laughs> Yeah, that's a beast. Yeah. It's a nine okay. foot pole, is what it's yeah, nine foot pole, and then with the like two foot injector. Okay, right. On. And so, with the like, as far as the Bahamas, right, with it's so clear there, is what, yeah, everything I've seen. Does the fish like do they typically stay away? Or are you guys like, or are you just with grouper? Are you guys targeting mainly grouper when you go there? Uh, that's definitely what we, I don't know, you know, it all depends where what you're trying to do and the groupers if you if you go out deep you're gonna find groupers but also if you go out deep there's sometimes more sharks it depends where you are um but it's it's kind of a whole different scenario like you when you're going and shooting hogfish and muttons in 20 feet of water it's like stick and move and stick and move and stick and move and sometimes you're out deep and you just drift for a while you find a grouper you shoot it and then you're like oh geez i just shot a grouper in 60 feet with a two or three knot current and you're like and i've got him on a pole spear and he's in a hole it's gonna take a while to get him out 
So walk me through that process. Cause I'm dying to know, like for you guys, did you have little things that like, I'll walk you through my last one. I posted a yeah. TikTok on it and I think it, uh, I think it does a good job at explaining what not, uh, what kind of goes into shooting something like that. That ended up being crazy lucky with how fast we landed that fish, but I've been stuck for like hours at a time on other ones. But basically with that fish, um, we hopped in at one of our previous spots that we had hit earlier in the day. And we were just like, you know, there was a ton of grunts around and all these little tiny bait fish on the bottom. And it just, it looked like there should have been big predators around. So we were like, you know what, let's get back on there. We didn't see anything earlier. It's a little later in the day. Maybe these things kind of got out of their holes and they were ready to be eating some, eating some grunts, whatever. So we got there and immediately I stuck my face in the water and I saw a 35 pound grouper and I was like, Oh geez, this thing is nice. And I did a decent breathe up. The current wasn't bad. We got there at slack tide. So I was excited about that. And I got down to the bottom. I accidentally turned my GoPro off instead of on. (laughs) And I started just grunting and dusting. And he looked at me from about 20 feet away. And with a pole spear, your range is around, you know, the pole, the pole spear itself, plus whatever you can kind of get out with your arm. So that's kind of how far you got it. Or at least with my pole, I've been, I've been like, I pretty much like throw the pole spear at the thing. It's essentially like, it's, it's such an interesting thing. You got to do it without spooking them and you got to know when to take the shot and these fish in the Bahamas, you can end up really understanding their behavior a bit better. Uh, just their natural behavior when they're not introduced to predators, like people, like, cause all these fish, they don't see people insanely often, but in Florida, sometimes you just look at a mutton snapper and it's gone. And then with the experience in the Bahamas, it kind of gets you to be a better local diver on here, at least in my opinion, after a while. But anyways, with that grouper, he came in, he looked at me and the second that I made any slight 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 movement towards him he immediately went in a giant cave system and i went back down with a light looked in the hole and we were in like yeah like 60 something feet or 55 feet whatever and i look in this hole and it just opens up to the size of like a football field i was like oh okay that's gone and we ended up seeing him poke out of a few other holes and he went into this massive ledge that went back like 15 feet or so maybe more and then it went in and took a corner and I had no idea. So I just breathed up. I went down and I'm looking in this giant ledge. I look to the right, see a big parrot fish. And I got excited for a second thinking that it was him. I looked to the left and uh, there's just a gap in the ledge that just went a bit further back. And so I went all the way past my fins and kind of turned into the right and just took the best shot that I had. And it's sketchy really, because you think like you have to have really good buddies who are watching you. Um, the sharks can be really bad and then nobody wants to lose a pole spear. So it's, I didn't have my belt reel clipped on because shooting with belt reels and holes can be scary. So just came up and I had the idea to put a float line on there. So my dad came over, he was driving the boat at that point. He gave me the float line and I found the pole spear and I put the light right on top of the, right on top of the ledge, uh, where that was. So my buddy went down, he clipped it off and then like oh let me just take a dive and kind of assess the situation see if my injector rods bent or see if the fish has any places to go like crazy deep in this hole and when i went down there sometimes like when the groupers turn the corner and your slip tip is stuck you'll like you'll pull and you're not feeling the fish you're feeling the rock against your pole spear so there's like nothing you can do and or not nothing you can do but there's just you're 
you can't just pull like that essentially. So I started pulling and I felt that. And so I, I turned it a little bit and immediately this thing just starts going nuts and starts coming out, but I was not breathed up and ready to pull out a uh, super green, like black grouper out of there. <laughs> so I, I just came up. I was like, I'm not going to let this thing leave the hole yet. And told my buddy, he went down. We've got three buddies in the water. He, he goes down and then uh, I'm safetying him and my other buddies on sharks. So he goes down, he starts pulling the fish out and I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. Like this thing just starts bolting out of the hole and he's just dragging my buddy all along the floor. <laughs> so we both went down. Uh, we're looking around for sharks. You can kind of see in the video, like the GoPro's on my head and you're like seeing me look around and I've got no tip on my pole spear, but I'm like, should I try to second shot it? And I took a total kook second shot. And I like, I like missed, he turned, whatever. And my buddy was able to stick another shot in there. We both grabbed our spears and just got him up. And like for that to happen so quickly with a grouper like that, especially like, I mean, he was 35 pounds so nothing like crazy for the Bahamas, but that's a big, powerful fish, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that was awesome. Great teamwork in that scenario. So I can just imagine your buddy getting dragged around, holding on to a pole spear, just going for a ride at like 60 feet. You'll see it's in the video. It's in, uh, I haven't really been posting much on TikTok, just uh, just because I don't know. It just it TikTok is just a whole interesting thing in itself. Right, we could <laughs> talk about that too. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, <laughs> but in that video, you can totally see him just getting dragged on the bottom. <laughs> it's pretty sick. So, are you guys mainly looking for black grouper when you're in the Bahamas? Is that what you're talking about? That's probably yeah. That's probably like the biggest grouper target. I mean, you'll see plenty 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 of nassau grouper tiger grouper uh yellowfin grouper those are i love every ryan and i and sam we have something in common we love shooting the yellowfin groupers there's just something about them they're they're these super they're just so specific and they they've got a different kind of uh smartness and like they won't always just hole up immediately like sometimes the black groupers you go out there and they just go into one hole and just kind of chill there and you take an easy shot and it's it's done but with these yellowfin groupers sometimes they're just like ridiculously smart just right off the bat and it's a really really fun challenge to shoot those things no that's cool because i think like i was saying before to a couple other guests you can only shoot like so many of one species before it's just like yeah i think that's like the whole spearfisher maturity thing where I was saying that I enjoy taking out younger guys because I, you know, shooting yellowtail isn't exactly, uh, you know, tough, but sure, it's something like it's cool to put new guys in the water when they shoot that fish. It means so much to them, uh, and so that's kind of a cool position to be in to be able to share that with people. But like, yeah, I I enjoy like like some people don't like hunting on deep reefs. Like to me growing up hunting in a kelp forest that's usually fairly shallow you know 60 feet ish and but most of the fish are usually above the thermocline like white sea bass or yellowtail whatever especially out here you don't really have to be a good diver out here and i don't mean good i mean no disrespect but like you don't have to be like a phenomenal deep diver out here sure little land fish like sizable fish but then you go like to somewhere else where like florida for example and <laughs> you know yeah. you got to be comfortable pushing some depth and that's like a new challenge that's like a, a super cool thing to do it's like a different so that's why i think like traveling is so important but also um you totally. know as you progress in your like 
life spearfishing, it's really cool to be able to change things up because it does get mundane, like mundane, like like shooting. Yeah, you can only shoot so many one species for it's like unless it's a some monster, <laughs> some unique situation. Like I'd rather just, you know, obviously I like to eat everything, but I mean. <laughs> You're not quite as trigger happy, I guess, as you would be when you were younger, you know? For sure. Yeah. Did you have any plans on like any places that you want to go, like dream trips or goals or? There are definitely a few of those. I would actually, so I have a buddy uh, who I took diving over the weekend. It was, it was kind of funny. Like he, he's from Venezuela and his brother is like, is a post office guy over here. And he's, he's always going to my dad's office and like dropping off uh, his packages and whatnot. And I guess uh, one time my dad was getting a package and he was like, oh, sweet. This is a, a cool picture of my son and I from our spearfishing stuff. And he's like, oh, you spearfish. My brother lives in uh, Venezuela and he's like a great diver and stuff. And he's super into it. So he's like, oh, my dad's like, oh, I'll show you the picture. So he opens it. And the guy's like, wait, is that, is that kid's name Nick? I guess his brother like knew me from, from uh, just like whatever social media or something. And he had showed him. And so his brother was here on vacation this weekend. I think, he, yeah, he's, he's still here for a while. And we took him diving and he told me all about Venezuela and I would love to go there. They're shooting like 60 pound groupers in 30 feet sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I've heard something similar. Uh, same thing. Like, I think that it's a good point. Like, I think, you know, there's so many places that people don't, like I, they overlook things like it's like oh panama sure. panama 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 it's like well it, there's other places down there that, totally you know, some places are a little bit more sketchier than others but they're not commercialized <laughs> at all and sure. they're absolutely loaded like i had the privilege of going places with the military where like i was shocked when i put my face in the water i was like wow dude there's a reason why nobody comes in fishes here obviously <laughs> but this is the byproduct of it is it's absolutely loaded ridiculous um, so cool. yeah venezuela sounds really cool there's a guy richard i think i got his last name i follow him on on uh, instagram and he's always posting just monster pargo and like uh big this snapper yeah it's so it's so it's so cool um all right well so you you mentioned social media as far as take yeah which is comical um, for me too, because it's like uh, the whole TikTok thing, you know, it's a young man's game, I guess. But when you have, so a lot of kids that I coach <laughs> football and stuff, they all tease me because uh, I'm on TikTok, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you tell them you do all these dances and stuff. It's great. <laughs> um, but uh, so where is like, what are you trying to do something with like, like Ryan, how Ryan has got his YouTube channel going? Are you trying to do something like that as well? So, you know, I have dropped like one actual like vlog YouTube video and it kind of sucked. It was like, I, I mean, it took me a long time to edit. So like the editing was mediocre, you know, not terrible, but it was like hard. I didn't have a ton of footage from like talking on the boat and whatnot, but I really want to drive out a first video. So I got that out. I got tons of positive feedback and like everyone just telling me like what, what I should be doing and whatnot. And I probably went out 10 times now since then trying to just purely make a youtube video and it has not worked once every single time it has been a bust and then when i'm just like you know what screw this i'm just gonna go shoot fish i just work we crush it and then i'm like man this would have been such a cool video um 
but honestly, yeah, I would like to start posting some YouTube videos. I kind of made that recent TikTok with the grouper, like I was talking about, kind of like a YouTube short or something like that. And I'm thinking about trying to post a bunch of those just to kind of get some people seeing me on YouTube and get used to that and be like, oh, this kid, oh, he shoots fish, I'll subscribe, whatever. And then coming out with these bigger videos and hopefully getting a little bit more audience retention and uh, get more uh, just get more views and whatnot and have people actually sit there and watch the video instead of just being like, who is this kid? Whatever. Yeah, it so, takes time. It's like, is yeah. the juice worth the squeeze? But I guess if you're persistent at it and you stay stay at it like i know ryan kind of blew up his youtube thing during covid where he just was like, crazy oh. fast yeah i was like damn but i know exactly what you're talking about it's like i uh used to well this weekend we went out and it was like oh i gotta get some i gotta get some footage or something you know and it, we didn't see a damn fish and uh, it is we, hard uh, yeah you saw a mola mola i was like well uh, my uh, one of the guys is with me he's like let me jump in and film it and i'm like no problem no problem that's sick yeah but it's just it's difficult because you, you, it kind of like you're not spearfishing you're creating a sh you're creating yeah content yeah it's different. <laughs> it is different it's interesting especially like being with people when they do it i dive with uh jack mitchell a lot i'm not sure if you're familiar with him captain jack spiro oh he's um, oh, he's a beast yeah he is he I is a total staff. beast yeah yeah we've done I've done with him a lot too. I mean, I was diving with him yesterday actually. <laughs> and it's interesting to see, like he can create these like really, um, really kind of real spearfishing videos. And it's, it's interesting. It's like, he'll post the days where it's like, yeah, we dove for six hours and we shot one fish. And he's like, he makes it, he makes the best out of it. You know, like he'll, he'll still create a video and and it'll come out and he'll end up doing like a sick catching cook or something. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. I think that that's pretty cool that he's able to create the content out of maybe not a ton of fish or whatever, some epic day, he can still turn it into something cool. Yeah. It takes time too to do that stuff. Like you need a ton of B roll basically is what I've. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And it's like, oh yeah, you got to talk. I'm like, oh dude, as soon as you turn a camera on me, I like, uh, you know. Totally. Yeah. So, and then again, you have to ask yourself, what am I doing this for? Was doing this for fun or, you know. That's not. the, that's such a thing. I just want it's to spearfish, like, you know. It's what it really comes down to is what is this doing for me? What am I doing this for? And what could happen with it? It's, yeah. it's a total interesting thing. So you work at a surf or a, sorry, surf shop. You work at a spearfishing shop now, right? I did before. Um, okay. Right now, I occasionally, like if Eric needs me to cover the shop, sometimes I'll cover the shop for him. And um, just because, like, I mean, he hired me before at Florida Free Divers. He knows that I know what I'm doing these days enough. <laughs> no, I know sure. what I'm doing enough these days. And yeah. um, so that works out. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I live like two minutes away from Eric's shop. So I think it's pretty cool. No, that's cool. What's your favorite piece of equipment that you have right now? Ooh, favorite or the piece one of I guess you rely on the most, or you're just most mm. you're satisfied. I guess you could say with it. That's hard. I don't know what I'm crazy sad. I mean, like, there's like everything is good that I own, but I uh, I don't know what I need to change up. I'm stoked on my pole spear. The pole spear was great in the Bahamas this summer. Um, 
that I, I honestly didn't know how good the pole spear is going to be because I mean, I've, I've shot a lot of different pole spears, like going from, uh, I mean, I've shot like everything, like different carbon pole spears, fiberglass pole spears, uh, the big neuritic pole spears, you know, those are super heavy. And then you go to a black reef from a neuritic is like a crazy difference. And they both have like total different advantages. And it's just, it kind of comes down to like, what's going to be more, uh, what's going to be better in the end all be all of your entire diving experience. So well, let's, let's talk about that. What do you look for? Like when you talk about pole spear, like I'm assuming you're going for grouper, what are things to consider in a pole spear when you're going for grouper? So that's the thing is that it's like, are you primarily going for grouper? Are you, do you want a little bit of everything? And it's hard. People come to such a different balance. And so, I mean, like I've seen when I grew up and I was using the neuritic pole spears for a few years, like those things do pack an insane punch. I can, I will always give them that. They yeah, they're heavy. shoot a grouper in a, in a hole and it's like, you're shooting them with like, <laughs> with like right. 10 pounds. It's like that thing, it has a total punch, but then taking the longer shots on muttons, it's like, it's a, it's a trade-off. Like you're not going to be able to take right. crazy long shots at pollsters like that. It's speed versus power essentially, right? Like speed, and then speed versus power, right? And then rollers are in the play and it's like, so what's going to, what's this going to do? And, and that, and so I don't know, probably there's a ton that goes into it, but like, yeah, you really do have to look into like, what do I want out of a pollster? What do I want to be shooting consistently? Uh, do I want to be, I mean, some people even want to be doing blue water stuff with pole spears uh, this winter. I do have a goal. I really want to shoot a Cobia with a pole spear. Now that is a challenge in itself because with slip tips, they have so much more torque that if you don't get a Cobia up in one dive out here, usually it's gone. I, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's like, you might be shooting a 30, 40 pound fish, but you have to have it in your arms by the time you get to the surface. Otherwise there's a very good chance a shark eats it. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we talk, it's almost like shaft. People talk about different shafts they're using, like yeah, three totally. eights. Cause you know, in California, we're all have our gigantic timber guns and huge friggin' shafts and all of that. And then it's like, uh, or are you going to go for like a needle going through the thing or do you want to just yeah. punch through it? So there's like that whole debate shaft speed and all of that. What I do imagine, you shoot for those like bluefin tunas and stuff? Oh, uh, just big big <laughs> like honestly for those things the reason why with with tuna and i and i talked about that with a pole spear i was like dude i want to go shoot one with a pole spear like they stay so far away so yeah when you're talking about shooting potentially a 300 pound fish or a 200 pound fish and he's 25 feet away or she's 25 feet away you got to know when that thing gets there that it's pushing through um yeah so there's that kind of thing but that's like like you were saying, that's like 1% of hunting for me. Um, because going for tuna kind of sucks. Like it's expensive. It's low, low return <laughs> on your investment for the most part until you get something. And then it's like, it's awesome. But, um, yeah, those things, they either cooperate, they'll be jumping around you everywhere and you can't get close to them in the water. Or some days they're just logging around, you jump in, they vortex you and you can shoot them. But I, yeah, I know, uh, Cam Kirkconnell is always like shooting stuff with pole spears, the black tuna and all that stuff or um, uh, blackfin tuna. And sure. uh, I was like, dude, we should just hit hit up a, uh, you know, a bluefin with a gigantic pole spear. I was like, but those things don't even come like every shot I've taken on a, on a bluefin has been like at least like 20 feet. 
Um, Jeez, that's crazy to maybe, think about. Maybe not 20 feet. I shot some smaller ones, probably 15, I guess. I mean, still, it's just like, it's it's so hard, especially because those fish are so fast to like land a crazy, just to land a shot on one of those things is such a challenge in itself. Like I've seen blackfin tuna right up front, which is, it's it's pretty rare, uh, like for here, especially. Like I know a couple, some sometimes people get them in the Keys or like further north, but like Jupiter Palm Beach area, and including Stewart, but like Stewart is easier to get them there. Uh, not saying it's easy by any means, but um, getting them out here is so hard. Like I've seen him like twice, maybe three times. And usually you see him in a school, of, like all the Benitas come up and you're like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then you're like, oh my God, you start to go down. You aim once and it's like, oh, okay, bye. That thing's down to 200 feet now. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I mean, with yellowfin, because we have yellowfin here too, those things like you're either going to sh- like, I haven't shot one um, because they're moving so fast. You know, they're going like 10 knots. They're yeah. so sporadic. If you can get them on a kelp patty, like just off of it, sometimes they'll they'll stay a little, lo- they'll give you a chance to shoot them. They'll stay a little more local. Mm-hmm. Uh, bluefin, it's a little different. They're, some days they're moving at 10 knots and some days they're just basically swimming, like cruising by slow as hell. Uh, it just depends like you just got to go a lot there's always like a week out of the summer where it's like if you want to shoot one go now and that's usually when i plan my vacation so i'm not here to shoot it so (laughs) you know um but yeah no it's just super uh it's just it's funny how everything depending on where you're hunting man it's just everybody has a different mindset too of gear i mean we like i know the rest of the world makes fun of us california guys for our gigantic timber guns and the I guess so. So do you guys do too? Uh, you guys buy into that a little bit, but it just depends on where <laughs> you're hunting, you know. Um, totally. Yeah. Preferably, like I love when you hunt deep reef, like the s- streamline the better, you know. Like uh, pipe guns, I kind of fell in love with the simplicity of a pipe gun. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That we we end up using mostly like just mostly long skinny guns out here like that, but I don't know. There's I'm kind of i really want to play around with like on these deep wrecks um taking just a float line having your buddies on the surface and there's obviously there has to be a day to do it like you're not just going to do this anytime when you go out but uh just taking like a a gun with four bands out there like a 130 with four bands whatever and just going down getting to 80 90 feet taking a 20 foot shot on one of these things with a float line and just having two of your buddies just horse it from the surface that is something I really want to try out out here. So, so when you say that to me, that's like normal. Like I was thinking, like, I was like, that's what I would think of. Like, I'm going to go down. Yeah. There. I'm going to have that thing come up and meet me at like 20 feet off the bottom. I'm going to unicorn it. You know, if I don't, we're going to just grab this thing and yank it to the surface. Yeah. Um, it's that's the, that's, it's so hard. Like we've tried, we've tried this quite a few times. Um, I mean, with like the yellow jacks and the permit, sometimes it's like successful. But I think the hardest part is with the viz and the current, your buddy's just trying to keep up with you and, and watch you. And then getting a deep enough dive to be down on the bottom and wait for a second or two until these fish come to you. And then just taking a long shot. Like the groupers on a couple of the wrecks that I uh, have been scoping out on, which I mean, dive a million wrecks, but uh, a couple of the spots that I've been scouting out on, like, they're they're residential and like i can always get within 30 feet of them but but am i going to be close enough to take a shot with some crazy big gun and then from there 
even if your buddies are right there and they start horsing them in the two seconds where your bands uh free the shaft and it hits the fish and it has any bit of slack it doesn't matter how bad how fast your buddies can get to it the thing is is that if you shoot him next to the wreck and he has oh, yeah, one or two gone. seconds yep. it's gone and then yep. you're in 90 feet 100 feet 100 maybe like wherever you are right and then uh it's just it's in the wreck and then you're like now what like <laughs> we're not making extraction grouper dives in 100 feet or something like that right. or at least not i'm not brian maybe <laughs> one thing you can do too is like if you can we call them you know short lining them where you just have a float line just long enough actually shout like you know to where it's not even the depth of the wreck so that and you have a big stopping float up top so uh, shoot it your shooting line can reach the fish but the float line's pretty much pinned out so that we've done that with dog tooth because they like to go all right off the shelf you know so you want to make it short enough to where it doesn't reach the bottom but long enough to where you can get down to a depth where you can shoot them at that yeah i can't i don't know i don't know what that perfect and, hmm. and i'm sure there's That's someone interesting listening. yeah and i'm sure there's someone listening going yeah we've done that like 20 years ago yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm serious um sure but, yeah definitely uh, things evolved for a reason i was what i always find like maybe you know um but yeah you never know and then so it's uh so does the grouper actually come out and face you at all or they stay typically down the bottom um the groupers that i'm kind of specifically thinking of like the gags a lot of the time they'll come up and look at you from maybe someone's off the bottom or in front of the wreck or whatever but the black groupers are typically a bit more wary and they'll like you'll see them and they may, they may look at you and then you get down and they'll kind of, they'll broadside, but nowhere near close enough to where you can get them. And when you start going towards them, they kind of just tail wag you for a little bit. Um, Sometimes you can get them to look at you if you drop in the right spot at the right time when they're actually there too. And the viz is good enough. It's just, it's hard, but I do really want to get a group right here. Some of my buddies, like one of my buddies, he just went out and just scuba dove the wrecks, like just shooting lionfish and like getting a couple lobsters. And uh, he had his spear gun on him. And he said that he saw like a couple 40 pound black groupers. And he was just telling me, he's like, dude, these are the wrecks that we free dive all the time. They're here, but you take a hundred drops on them free diving versus taking one scuba drop and being able to see them. It's, it's such an interesting thing, like how we're also diving spots that we're competing with people who are breathing down there, you know? So, right. What's what's it like? Do people scuba dive spearfish in California much, or no, not really? No. Uh, is it legal? To tell you the truth, I think it's legal. Uh, I don't even know. I I think it's legal. Not a I common mean, thing. Yeah, it's just not a common. Okay. You probably get like laughed at. I don't know. You get <laughs> a lot of shit for it, probably. Um, okay. Yeah. So with the what's that? Oh my. Eric was just telling me that he bought a spear gun from a guy who used to scuba spearfish Cali. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like a well-respected thing, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Um, well, so the other thing in Florida I wanted to talk about is the dam is all the, uh, the, the grouper, the um, uh, not golf grouper. I'm having a total brain fart, man. Goliath grouper. Yeah. The Goliath grouper. What is up with those guys? Because for so from a naive standpoint being out here you're like yeah groupers eat everything on the reef when at what point is it like okay we need to hunt these things and 
because I've seen videos. I think you had a video, I think, where it was just absolutely just like uh, just a crap ton of Goliath groupers all over the place. They're How everywhere. Especially... with those guys. Oh, that's that's a whole other uh, huge challenge. Oh, my God. It's, it's so hard. Those things like when the sharks aren't going nuts on you and then you're like, oh, yeah, we're good. It's like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's uh, the Goliaths are an interesting are an interesting thing. Like if you go out right out here in, in Jupiter and Palm Beach and you dive the wrecks, you'll make a dive and you may dive 20 wrecks in a day. And maybe you don't see any black groupers, or any gag groupers, which happens just more often than not. But you'll see 50, 100, maybe more uh, Goliath groupers. And it's, it's kind of an interesting thing for everyone. What I really think would be the best thing is in Florida, we have like gator tag system where they'll tell you like, let's say you apply for a gator tag and you can go out there and hunt one. They'll give you your tag. They'll tell you where you can go. Uh, like they'll give you a little range, like an area, like usually it's like a, a pond or a lake or whatever, like a wherever. But out here, if they gave you like a, a two mile range or something and they said that you can get if you apply it, they say, whatever, you can get one, two groupers. And they can specifically choose how many groupers in the area uh, get harvested. Right. Then I think that that would be insanely sustainable. Yeah, I think that saying, system. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And then they could totally study, like, okay, if we give out 750 tags, how many guys are going to be able to go out there and, and get one on given day? Where if they say, okay, you can go out September 30th. Let's say September 30th is six foot seas and only two guys go out and get them. It's, that's another thing. So I just think that that would be ridiculously sustainable. But um, some people have told me, I don't know a ton about this, like, but they say that there's some places in Florida where they dive and they don't see any Goliath groupers ever. And I've never experienced that uh, diving Florida. I mean, I've dove a lot of different places in Florida, but I've never experienced that where I've just been like going out and spearing and not seen any Goliath groupers. I think that that's kind of weird, but maybe it's like they have crazy populations in Jupiter and Palm Beach, but in St. Augustine or something, they have none. So I think that that's, that's what I've heard from some people. And then they also talk about that they're good for our tourism. Like it brings a ton of people to come here and fish for them and look at them on scuba diving tours, which that's another thing. A lot of people go out and, I do know people who go out and feed the Goliath groupers and video it and stuff. And it's, it's a whole nother thing where it's like, Oh my God. Uh, it's interesting. And so you can't hunt them either. So yeah, you've got sharks, you've got gigantic grouper. Um, yeah, it's, you got your work cut out for you. You got deep diving. That's why I think honestly, a lot of times Florida guys, you guys that, even though it's tougher and you got to deal with so much stuff, it really does help you in the long run to be more of a well-rounded diver. Yeah. It's there's definitely a lot of stuff that goes into it like that. And yeah. you gotta, you gotta respect the water as well. Oh, a lot of people, it gives, it gives you respect when, when big things happen like that and you really come close to getting bit by sharks and you see what happens when you watch buddies black out and you save them and stuff like that. It's like, this is real. <laughs> No, those are all super good points. And uh, I guess I want to just kind of end it there. Um, Sweet. Dude, yeah, thanks for, sure. for uh, coming on the show, Nick. Um, yeah, it's, Anytime, it's a pleasure talking to the next generation. And I wish you <laughs> the best of luck. 
That concludes the show for today. Thank you, Nick, for speaking with me. And I'm really looking forward to following you and your spearfishing as you progress in life and as a diver. And if you guys are interested in following Nick as well, you can follow him on Instagram at Nick underscore Bailey 15. Um, and again, just thank you. And if you want to continue uh, to further support the podcast, go to the Patreon page forward slash Spear Factor and you can donate there. And also, if you had any questions or wanted some more information, you can look on SpearFactor.com. There's also a YouTube channel that has the video portion of all these uh, podcasts. So I encourage everybody to check it out. And then some of them are even broken down into uh, topics. So check that out at uh, Spear Factor on YouTube. All right, take care. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.